Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. I'm Emma Gannon and this is my podcast, which has the same name as my book, which comes out next month. So um, I'm back from holiday and very sunburnt, but this is the joy of podcasts, as you would never know that, unless I just told you, which I have. So um, today's guest is Jessica Valenti, who is a writer I've been following for many years. She is a daily columnist for The Guardian in America, and they called her one of the top 100 inspiring women. She is the author of six books on feminism, most recently Sex Object, a memoir, which actually has just come out this week. Jessica founded Feministing.com in 2004. Her writing has appeared in The New York Times, The Washington Post, Ms. Magazine, Salon, and many, many more, and she has won lots of awards for her work. In this episode, we talk about feminism, of course, writing memoirs, how to deal with online abuse, and in general, just how to navigate Twitter when it's not being so nice to you. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks again for subscribing. Hi, Jessica. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm well. Good. Um, So I've um, been a big fan of your work for a long time and I've interviewed you for my blog, which was awesome. So this is just, yeah, I mean, amazing. I love podcasts. You have your own for The Guardian. I I do. What would a feminist do? It's been it's been a lot of fun. It's a learning process. I'm still sort of getting the hang of it. Um, so it's nice to have folks like you that I can look to and learn from. Yeah, I, I saw that we were on some roundup of like feminist podcasts. So I was I was proud I to it. be next to you. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have your new your latest book. You've written a few now. And I just wanted to know a bit more about well, a how you keep writing. books it's amazing that you keep coming up with new ideas but also how they differ I guess this one um felt really different for me um you know my my other books are are much more sort of non-fictiony um you know they're informal and they're personal obviously but this one is is super personal um and was a little bit more difficult to write um be because of that um, so it's, it's one of those things where I feel like the, the more fearful you are to put something out into the world and, and if you choose to do it anyway, that's what makes me proud. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's different in, in that way. And the other thing is, you know, the other books like had a particular, um, goal in mind almost, right? Like my, my first book, Full Frontal Feminism, I really wanted to get younger women to identify as feminists and purity myth was about like shining a light on virginity culture and all of this sort of stuff. Um, and this one is, you know, obviously I, I hope that it resonates, um, but there's not like one particular takeaway or campaign or, or goal attached to it. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it feels different in that way. It definitely it def- felt different having read your previous books that I guess, you were kind of pulling back the curtain a bit on you and it was I thought more vulnerable yeah thank you I mean that was you know I think part of it it got started because you know doing this work and having like a somewhat public profile you hear a lot from younger feminists and and I would hear from them when I go to like speak at colleges or or even on email or whatever and they would say things to me like oh like you like you handle stuff so well like you're you know like you really handle online abuse well and like you have it so together 
And I'm like, really? Like, that's not true at all. Like, I'm a mess. Like, I, I'm absolutely terrible. Like, I can't believe that that's the, you know, that that's the image that I'm putting out there. But of course, like, we all sort of create our own narratives online, right? Like, whether you're like a public facing person or not, like what you choose to put on social media or whatever the case may be, that's like the identity that you're creating for yourself. And yeah. I started to realize that the identity that I had put forward um, was not necessarily really reflective of of who I really am or like what is really happening in my life. And that felt a little bit like a disservice um, to my readers. That's so interesting because I feel sometimes when, for example, when I've got really horrible comments in the past, mm. I've like followed up on it in some way maybe. I normally just ignore it. And someone was like, oh, I just thought that you wouldn't care. I think they thought that like if you're verified on Twitter and you've got some sort of like presence that you're kind right. of invincible yeah um I thought that was really interesting it's like people just think they can hurl things at you and you literally won't care right I mean I think that people forget that you're a person I mean that happens online anyway right like it's very easy to dehumanize people but I think I I think that you're right I think that it is true like if you're verified or you have a certain following or you're a writer and it's your job to put like your opinions out in the world or to to hear back from from folks people sort of assume that like you're fine with it or they don't really they don't think about it, I think, in a lot of cases. I've definitely, like, followed up with people and emailed back and been like, you know that was, like, a terrible thing to say or that's really hurtful. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, I didn't really think about that. Yeah. And I think it comes as well because people think probably that what's really messed up about it, I think, is that people think your life is, like, perfect because Mm -hmm. you're a writer and you write for a a newspaper and... um, But it's not true. I'm absolutely so fortunate and so privileged to have the platform that I do and I do have a really nice life that I'm supremely grateful for, right? But that doesn't make you immune to feeling horrible when someone harasses you um, or even criticizes you, right? In a, in a substantive and nice way, like that can feel really bad too. Mm, um, yeah, when, it's, when you know something slightly true, it's like, right, oh exactly. God. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I read that um, on The Guardian that you they did a survey of like the comments and that you were the most trolled yeah the number number one most harassed writer at the guardian um which is a strange honor uh to Mm. to have um it's you know and it's like I wasn't super surprised by that um but you know it's still it's still pretty depressing um, and it, you know, and what was even more ironic about that whole thing is when that series came out, um, ab- about me being the most abused writer at the Guardian, um, I had to leave Twitter for like two days because I got so much harassment about that article. Oh my God. Yeah. It was unbelievable. What's interesting is they're not trolling you really mm-hmm. cause they don't know you, but they're just troll like they're shouting abuse at the topics you write about, I'd say. Or is that not necessarily true either? I I can separate it sometimes. I mean, I think a lot of times you're right that it's just like pure disdain for feminism, um, right? And not really Mm -hmm. about me personally. Um, But unfortunately, like I do have a a pretty dedicated, smaller following of harassers who are like very much interested in my personal life, who have like dug up things about like my family and you know so so there is that part of it too I don't know that it's gotten easier um I think I've become more hardened to it 
but again, like this is part of like what I was trying to explore in the book is, you know, I don't know that becoming more hardened to something like that is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it concerns me <laughs> that, that we can sort of become a, a little bit jaded by this stuff because it's objectively awful. Right. And I, and I actually, I, I don't think that, that we sort of walk away from it, um, unaffected. I, th- I think that it, it does take a toll, especially after, um, a certain amount of time, you know, like I've been, I've been writing online for over 10 years. So it, it's been a long time to, to put up with that kind of abuse. And I'm certainly not alone in that. Right. No. And how, um, how have you kind of kept your motivation? Because mm-hmm. I know that, well, I, and everyone will know that it knock it knocks you sometimes like big time. You are such a big voice at the Guardian and um, is there any kind of tactics in place where you've been like, I'm just not going to let it affect my career? Um, you know, it used, it used to be, my, my strategy used to be like an, an ignoring strategy or I spent a lot of time, um, you know, on Twitter, like replying with sarcastic remarks and making fun of them, um, which is good in that it sort of takes some of that power away, but it also displays to people that this is the sort of thing that that still happens like you're still shining a light on it Mm -hmm. but again like I found like that was me being a little bit dishonest about the negative impact that it had on me because it gave the impression that that this stuff was rolling off my back um in a way that it's really not um so now my my newest sort of tactic is just being honest about the fact that like it does make me feel really vulnerable it does make me feel really shitty and terrible. Um, in terms of like, uh, coping mechanisms, I, you know, it helps to have a really supportive family and, and partner and, and friends and, and feminist community, um, and everything like that. Um, but it, it does take a, a, a bigger toll where like, you don't know, like I've often thought about like, would I do this over again? Um, if I knew that this is what it was going to be like, like at this point I've been doing this so long and I've worked so hard to get to this point that giving up would, would feel like a real shame, you know? Yeah. It's like, I put so much effort into all of this to sort of walk away from it. Um, one is like not financially feasible, right. For my family, like, you know, Mm -hmm. like this is part of the the job. And I think that that's true for a lot of people, you know, like they're like, Oh, just walk away from Twitter. It's like, well, for a lot of journalists, Mm -hmm. like you can't do that. That's part of the job. Public presence. Um, but it, it's hard not to, to think about that, you know, like, oh, if I could do it over again, would I, would I use my real name? Would I, you know, what would I do differently? Yeah. And also, cause I guess a lot of, um, aspiring writers would l- look to what you're doing. So, um, it's almost kind of not, not kind of coping with it would be send a message to younger feminist writers that actually don't even bother because right. you're going to get, um, shot down online. Right. Well, it's so hard, too, because I get that question a lot from, like, younger, you know, feminist writers or, or younger feminists who, who want to be writers, and, and they're like, well, what should I do? Should I become a, you know, is the, uh, is it worth it, the abuse? And, like, I don't know what to say to them, really, because that's such, like, an individual thing. Like, I don't, you know, I don't feel comfortable being like, yeah, do it anyway, like, it's going to be fine, Right. Because I, I can't in good faith say that because it may not be like someone may find your address and, and post it. Someone may become a stalker. Like you just have no clue over what the response will be, um, you know, when it when it comes to these issues. Yeah. Do, do you find that you do separate 
the online stuff from real life because I find that sometimes I worry that that people do live in this like Twitter bubble and they don't come up for air but yeah do you find that you can sort of just be like okay I'm gonna just leave that all of that for like two days and come back yeah I've gotten pretty good at uh, compartmentalizing certainly um you know I and like my husband is really helpful with this I'm like you know shut the laptop it's you know, it's time to go outside in the yard and, like, play with their kid. And stuff like that actually makes it a lot easier, you know. Like, I had a experience this weekend where I was being um, harassed a little bit online. And it was just a really nice day out. And I was upstate with my daughter. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go hang out with my kid and have some fun because <laughs> this is ridiculous yeah. and I don't need to spend my time doing that. But, you know, the, the harder thing is, you know, real life is not always an escape from this stuff, like sometimes there's a fear of it commingling, in, you know, like yeah. when I do uh, talk psychologists or, or book talks or whatever the case may be, you know, I'm always a little bit nervous that like someone who said something terrible or threatened me online is going to show up to, to the place where I'm speaking. Um, so th that fear is always there. Mm. God, yeah. Sometimes I really do put them so separately when it's mm. not true because they are real people. Right, they're real people. And we and forget we, that sometimes. I do. Right. I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'll just block that. But then, right. yeah. It's been, you know, it, I, I, I used to feel that way. And, but then uh, a few years ago when my daughter was one, um, there was this, like, really, really bad harassment campaign against me by this uh, one particular, like, men's rights group oh. um, that I had to report to law enforcement. And we had to, leave, you know, we had to leave our house. We had to leave our house for a little while because the, the folks that we were in contact with thought that the threats were credible enough um, that it wouldn't be safe for me to, to stay where I lived. So since that's happened, oh it's, and since I've had my daughter also, it's become more difficult to separate that out. Um, because I get, ner you know, you get nervous for, for her. And is someone going to try to find out who she is and like where she goes to school and, and stuff like that? Yeah. I, I, I found that in your book, that one of the reasons as well, it's so kind of hard hitting, I guess, is because you do talk about how you are, you know, envisaging this future because you have a daughter. I can imagine that can make things a little bit more, um, what's the word? <laughs> it kind of needs to happen. Cause you yeah, have it's urgent. It's urgent. Yeah, it's, it's more urgent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, I just, like, after I had my daughter, obviously all these issues, you know, political issues felt so much more urgent and I want a better world for her. Um, but also just, like, struggling with how do I, like, how do I explain this all to her, right? Like, mm. you can sort of explain to your kid, like, oh, try to stay safe in this way, or, like, um, you know, the world is sexist in this particular way. But, like, what I'm really struggling with, and this was a big part of the book, is, like, I, I don't have the language to explain to her, like, the, the psychic and emotional toll that this can take on you over time, right? Like, not just, like, one particular thing, um, but the snowball effect of, of all the things. Um, how do I prepare her for that when we, as a culture, haven't even really come up um, with coping mechanisms or a, or a language to talk about what that is? Yeah, I thought that was amazing in your book how one thing, out of context, I would say, which is bad, is kind mm. of like no big deal. Yeah. Because we've been conditioned to be like, oh, yeah, of course you've um, seen some old man, like, wanking on the street right. <laughs> like and it's like yeah we've all seen that and that's the point is like right. all of your chapters rolled into one everything is a big deal 
It's just right. that we're made to think that it's not. I found it really quite, yeah, it was really hard to read because I resonated with so much of it. Right. It wasn't alien to me at all. Right, which is really sad and unfortunate, yeah. right? Like, it, it, again, like, it, it's so easy or you learn to sort of disregard, like, the individual offenses. Um, and then we forget about the cumulative impact that that mm-hmm. all makes. And, like, what does that say that, like, you know, you don't feel safe walking on the streets or, like, what has that, you know, what has it done to us to, to get to that place of, like, numbness or apathy around it? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the worrying thing. Was yeah. there anything that was harder to write more than others? Because I guess the, mm. the momentum of the book is quite... Like, I read it really quickly because mm-hmm. the chapters are very punchy. And yeah. I love how, like, even the chapter titles are quite... Well, they're one word, most of them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, I know what's coming. When I, You know, um, right. was it... Like, is that, did you write it in that way, in quite a speedy way? You know, I didn't write it in a su- in a super speedy way. The the individual essays came easily enough, but like finding the structure and like the the ways I wanted to link them together mm-hmm. um, was a little bit was a little bit trickier. Um, in terms of if, if anything was harder to write, you know, it's it's funny. I think that the stuff you would assume was the hardest to write, like a, a you know, like the more like harassy, abusive stuff. Um, actually felt really good to write because it felt cathartic and I was, you know, and it just came. Um, the, the stuff that was more difficult was the stuff about my daughter, I think, because I wanted to be much more thoughtful and deliberate about what I put out into the world Mm -hmm. about her. Um, and you know, of course, like you're just, you're super aware, like, oh, like my kid, may read this in 10 years or, you know, yeah. when she's a teenager and how will she feel about it? And, and, and trying to walk that line of, of respecting her privacy while being honest. Um, so that was, a, that was a little bit trickier for me. Yeah. Did, did you, um, I was going to ask you if you were, if you asked anyone's permission um, on certain chapters, like for example, in beauties, I think you mentioned your mm-hmm. sister, yeah, no, with my sister and family, I, you know, with, with my family, I showed them and, and got their okay, because obviously there's, there's some personal stuff in there, yeah. um, and I would never want to put, uh, put that out into the world without their permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with some of the folks who were not family, um, I showed them, with, in terms of, like, folks that I still have relationships with, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or am in touch with, um, but, you know, like, stuff about, like, like old boyfriends, college boy, you know, like, I haven't spoken to some of these people in 20 years, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, so the lawyer said it was fine, so I'm I'm feeling all right about it. And I took a lot of pains to like make sure that no one um, would be identifiable um, or or embarrassed. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned my sister in the chapter, and all she said really was like, "Oh my god, you have the, such a good memory." <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> She's like, "I don't remember that." I'm like, "It's happened." <laughs> um, have you? I wanted to ask you about how feminism is obviously really popular and it's sort of like well it's kind of seems to be everywhere which is amazing yeah but do you do you sense that sometimes certain brands for example are sort mm. of just jumping on board because I, I read something recently it might have been on the guardian actually about the phrase femvertising <laughs> about, 
Uh, which someone clearly just made up. But the idea that we're sort of getting a bit targeted in a commercial way. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's been so interesting and bizarre to watch, right? Because when I started blogging over 10 years ago, it's still, you know, there was still, it was still feminism as that word. There were still all of these like negative connotations uh, connotations around the word and though that's still true largely like the mainstream message around feminism is very positive and like celebrities are claiming the word and people are talking about it um and as you said like advertisers are using it as well. and in like one respect that's awesome because it shows the power of the movement and the rhetoric um and and the work that people would want to co-opt it you know it means that it's very powerful so that's amazing yeah um but it is but it is frustrating and and worrying, um, and I and I don't like seeing you know I, I I have a lot of feminist friends who really like the Dove campaigns for example, um, but they like the Dove Real Beauty stuff. But like it really bothers me <laughs> because at the end of the day, like they're still um, you know selling cellulite cream, and their parent company sells skin lightening cream right like so there's mm-hmm. all of this this stuff that's attached to that that's that's really troublesome what worries me the most though um is not the commercialism as much as the way that like the right wing in the u.s has sort of attached uh, attached itself to feminist rhetoric like a lot of anti-choice groups are using feminist language now um you know uh distinctly anti-women politicians are calling themselves feminists mm. you know using feminist language the republicans are using the guise of like caring about women's health to push forward um you know anti-choice legislation that punishes women so like that is what really concerns me is the way that it's being used politically um to mask anti-woman policy yes yeah and it can be really confusing if you're just kind of looking things up online or you you know you want to connect with something but actually it's jarring in some way right you founded feministing in 2004 was it who who kind of inspired you back then or kind of led you to the ways of spreading the feminist word you know i it was it was my feminist peers and community to be honest i mean i also i i found feminism um in college and and sort of through the way that a lot of young folks do and just taking like a a women's and gender studies class Mm -hmm. um and it really impacted me and changed my life and and made me want to do this work and it was honestly like the the teachers there and like the young feminists that I met at college one of whom is um Sumita Mukhopadhyay who you know ended up doing feministing with me and, and now is an editor at Mike who's wonderful um you know meeting other young people who felt the way that I did um was was completely transformative and that's sort of been the like the most wonderful thing about being a writer online and being a feminist online like you know obviously like you read all the feminist texts and folks like bell hooks impact you in these huge ways and make you think big thoughts um but one of the best things for me about being online was finding all of these like new writers every day right or like in your comment section like someone saying something incredibly smart in comments and making you think about a topic in a, in a whole new way. Um, that was the most exciting thing to me. Yeah, that, mu- that must have been so cool because, yeah, you can just connect with anyone who's like-minded or just debating with you. 
I feel like every day you can just completely learn and educate yourself yeah. on like, 10 new things. Right. Have you found that there's like a snark that you can't really escape sometimes with it? I, I, I just wondered about well, if you'd seen this over mm. those years of kind of groups forming within feminism and feeling like maybe it's not like all women getting on all the time. Do you think arguments are needed and they're kind of healthy or mm. are you more kind of in the camp of like, shine theory and just helping <laughs> helping helping each other up i think that there's like a, a a middle ground there right like i'm a big proponent of shine theory and i love anna and amina um but i also don't think I, like but i don't think and i think that they would agree and like shine theory and this idea of like propping each other up um i don't think that necessarily means like always agreeing right mm-hmm. i think that you can prop someone up by having a spirited debate and and making help helping them to make their argument stronger or you know I think that's a way to make your own argument stronger so I do think I mean you said the word snark and I think that that's very true I think that it can be difficult sometimes online um, because of the nature of not being face to face um, to to have conversations sort of devolve into into personal attacks or nastiness or, or sarcasm which is unfortunate um, and it's hard to get your true nuanced opinion across in like a tweet right right it's not always it's not always the best format for, mm-hmm. for debate and disagreement and like substantive conversation certainly but I, I I'm an, like an eternal optimist and I tend to think that that it's more good than bad um, and I have certainly learned a lot from like batting ideas back and forth with feminists online mm, definitely um amazing well I love your book and um, thank you I'm I really thought it was so cool the mix between all of your personal stories and kind of making that bigger point of things still aren't great right (laughs) um do you feel like there's anything there's like kind of a takeaway on anyone who might be listening who does want to like further the movement and get involved and try and do something is there anything you can advise on doing big or small to kind of help things along well it's so hard like this is a question I get a lot um when I speak at colleges and they're like okay like I buy it I'm a feminist like what do I do next um and I think that's such an individual thing right like I don't know what someone's particular community needs right like I think that like individual people are the best people to answer that question for themselves like Mm -hmm. look 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 around you in a in a small narrow way like what does your school need like what are the gaps what does your community need where can you help what are you most interested in um but i will say like the the sort of broader piece of advice that i would have that's sort of more related to the book that i've been thinking about a lot um is just knowing that it's okay to be a mess <laughs> about mm. these things, right? Like that you don't have to have the answers all the time. You don't have to be um, a perfect feminist. And certainly like Roxane Gay helped forward that conversation about bad feminists mm-hmm. tremendously. Um, you know, it's, it's okay to be a little bit fucked up about these issues. You don't always have to, to, to have the right answer. It's okay to mess up. Um, it's okay to forgive yourself for that and, and keep moving. That's such good advice. I feel like sometimes um, people feel like they can't speak because they're so scared of saying something wrong. Right. Um, and actually that can kind of turn us back into being censored and mute. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like sometimes I just change my mind all the time. Not obviously totally. like from one day to the other, like massively, but I'll just I'll kind of backtrack a bit and be like, actually, I kind of, I've learned something new today, which means what I said last week 
I don't mean anymore. Right. And that's part of being like a thoughtful person, right? <laughs> like is is growing, um, growing as you as you age, which is important. Um, and there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. That's like the best possible thing to happen. So what have you got planned for kind of the upcoming months? Is it is it very much like book related? Um, things. Yeah, um, a lot of book related yeah. stuff. Doing some, doing some bookstores. Doing some traveling. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll still be writing at the Guardian and, and doing all that stuff and, and working on the podcast. Um, but it'll it'll be a pretty busy couple of months. I hope. I hope with the book. Yeah, amazing. Well, I'll be, continue to read all of your things. Thank you. And um, thank you again for chatting to me. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Speak soon. Bye. 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 If you like this episode, please remember to leave a review or a rating on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. Also, um, tweet me at Girl Lost in City on Twitter. I'd love to hear your feedback. So thanks so much again for listening and make sure you tune in next week. Bye.